Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Getting a divorce, even thinking about getting a divorce, can be overwhelming, scary, and sometimes exciting. Join divorce coach and mediator Mandy Walker for conversations about divorce. The more you know, the easier it will be to make your divorce healthier, less stressful, and to put it behind you. Here's Mandy. Welcome to Conversations About Divorce. I'm Mandy Walker, and today we're talking about divorce recovery for kids. Now, we often hear that children are resilient and adaptable. And I also hear parents say that their kids know the marriage is ending, but they don't really know much about what's been going on. The parents think that they've kept their disagreements private and they've shielded their kids from all the visible signs of a troubled marriage. And I hear from parents that the children seem to be doing fine. They're just carrying on as normal. But is that what's really happening? Even if you think you've protected your kids, they usually know that something is going on, that something is not right because their normal has changed and they're seeing changes in routines at home. They may be carrying on with their usual, but is that because they're trying to keep a lid on their emotions? They may be struggling to label what it is that they're feeling and they surely don't want to cause a disagreement between mom and dad. Here to help us understand more about helping our children cope with divorce is Natalie Knox. Natalie is a primary school teacher and has been a lay counsellor for children in crisis, including general on-call trauma counselling and specialised divorce recovery counselling. Natalie is also the author of The Mending Chronicles of Liam and Emily, a divorce recovery journey that's aimed at children ages 6 through 12, Welcome, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, I'm really excited to have you, and I'm glad we're talking about this topic. I wanted to start off by saying, in your note to parents at the beginning of your book, The Mending Chronicles, you talk about being surprised yourself by the misconceptions that children had about divorce. I wondered if you could share some of the most common misconceptions that you've um, encountered? Yes, of course. So the misconceptions come up often like what you were saying earlier, where things are hidden and half conversations are heard. And so kids end up making up their own truth for what they think and perceive is going on. And in my time counseling children of divorce, I found the most common ones are dad or mom, whoever it is who leaves, left because they don't love them anymore. Um, they are often afraid that the other parent who stayed with them uh, will also leave. Um, they often feel guilty that possibly it was their fault that they've done something. They often think back to big events that may have happened where they've felt that they had a role in playing and the thing going wrong. Or, um, and they sort of say, well, he left because of that. Um, and 
um, yeah, those sort of are the most main uh, misconceptions that children have, although there's just so many of them, but I've found that those are the most common. Right. And you, I think you may have um, mentioned this in the lead up there. I was wondering if where those misconceptions come from. They, they come mainly from like the stories that the children are making up themselves or from half-heard, yes. overheard conversations? Definitely, because as, like us adults, if you think of a situation that's going on, you tell yourself a story, you tell yourself your truth. And so children are no different. Uh, they see what's going on and they tell themselves this is what's happening and it's because of this or that, uh, just as, as we do. Right, and I found with my own personal experience that many of my children's assumptions about what was going to happen were based on what they knew from their friends whose parents had divorced. And so I think as soon as they see that the marriage or their parents are, are maybe struggling, they go to that place of, you know, this is where my friend so-and-so is and her parents are so mad at each other, they won't talk or she gets dropped off at school in the morning by one parent and picked up by the by the other parent and they're always arguing. They just kind of make these, they, they just take those experiences of their friends and think that that's what's going to be theirs. That's right. And a lot of fear comes out of that especially little girls where they see what's happening and they just end up with this really big fear um, which goes into every part of their life so um so why go why girls especially do you know the answer to that or is that just something that you've observed it's just something i've observed like a lot of boys have anger um, and they act out on that, a lot of aggression, and girls tend to be more fearful, although it's not, it's not a rule. Uh, I saw a little boy who, uh, he was just too scared to shower on his own and had to have his mom sitting in the bathroom. The, the, he was just consumed with fear. So there was an example of a little boy. Uh, so it's not necessarily that, but I just find that often the girls uh, have fear. And do you think that, um, you know, the, the little boy that who was showering, I mean, that could be some separation anxiety that's been going on for many, many years. But then the divorce um, exaggerates or exasperates anything that was going on before. That's right. Uh, if you think of his little world, I mean, he I can't remember his age, but he was about nine or ten years old. Everything he knew in those 10 years, suddenly had changed and was changing. And it was so scary for him because he had no control over it. He wasn't involved in any of the decision-making. Um, you know, often kids have to move home, give away pets, say goodbye to friends. Everything changes. And if you think of, the, our, of us as adults, when we go through that, it just upsets us. It makes us fearful. We think of things that are, are coming in the future and we just suffer from anxiety. Um, and it's just compounded with children where they are just so out of control of, of what's going on in their world. So um, how can a parent tell when their child is struggling? I mean, I think that there are some children that will tell parents, but other times, like, you know, where the children are trying to not make more trouble because they perceive that they've started this trouble. So they're trying not to make more trouble, but they, they acquire or um, 
just making making out that everything is fine how what are some of the telltale signs that parents should look for that their child is really needing more help i think every parent knows their child so the first step would be to slow down and just invest time in in, in being with them uh, and, and by that I mean making time for conversations, making times to check in and say, how are you? And, and leaving spaces for the children to pluck up the courage to say, I'm feeling this or ask questions. Um, but I, I, I think things like uh, nightmares, I mean, that's a subconscious thing. If your child is continually having nightmares, there's something that's in the back of their mind that's bothering them. If they're not a child who has nightmares normally, um, bedwetting, if, if they are beyond the age of that and it started up again, anything that's sort of not normal, um, I would say parents take note. Um, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can just be a different a change. Often children withdraw and it's hard to connect with them and, and get them conversing and talking to you. But if they're an outgoing child or or like lots of tantrums and um, just a small thing that just sparks them off with huge uh, angry outbursts, things that they're not normally doing if they start, um, then I think a parent um, could, uh, you know, realize I need to make time to talk to them. A change of personality. And then for a child that's 11, 12, if they start self-harming, things like that, uh, it's a big warning sign. Right. So you really have to be paying um, close attention to your child and be and observing them, and I think that that's that's kind of that can be challenging for somebody who themselves is experiencing all this emotional change and drama and yes, working definitely. through it. It's, it's I think it's I don't want to discount the possibility that you know it's it's easy for parents to overlook this. And a lot of parents, it's it's you're so intensely feeling what you're feeling that you hope your kids are okay, um, and you just keep going. You've got to just live another day. So, yes, it is very, very understandable. And I think if you had a team of people around you, one or two people, a friend, uh, keeping the teacher in the loop, a grandparent, sports coach, whoever's spending time with your kids, um, if they could, if you could communicate with them, listen, if you see any changes, if you see anything different, any incidents that happen, please let me know, because they're the ones spending time with your kids too, and because you're not there as a parent, they're not trying to behave and be good because they know that you're battling. They can be more themselves when they're with granny or with auntie so-and-so. So you have to open, make sure that you open the door to feedback from those people and know that those people are confident that if they do give you feedback, you're not going to snap at them or say, oh, don't be stupid. You know, of course he's not doing that. Or it's just the divorce. You know, he'll get over it. Yeah. Definitely. If you initiate that um, feedback and say, um, you know, we're really battling or whatever, however much you want to divulge, but just say, please feedback any incidences or anything that happens that's out of the ordinary, that's out of his nature or her nature. So um, do you think it's always a good idea to set up a a session with a counsellor or a therapist after you've told your child about the divorce so that they just have one session just to kind of open the door to future sessions? Um, I would suggest that possibly it is helpful, but I don't think it's necessary. I think that a family, um, 
they actually able to handle what's going on if they take the time to talk to their kids, make time to um, spend with them, and open conversations with them. Sometimes it doesn't have to be the mom or the dad. It could be the grandparent or somebody else who's involved in your life intimately. Um, I think that a family can provide um, that sort of support. But obviously a counsellor is somebody who can use that time wisely and get to any points. But normally one session of counselling is helpful, but counselling normally works more within a relationship with that person than just moving on. But if you're having these uh, behaviours that you're concerned about, then definitely going to a counsellor for a session or two would be helpful. Right. So you say um, a couple of times you've talked about the importance of taking the time and talking to the children. I was wondering if you have suggestions about um, how to word questions so that they're framed in a neutral way as opposed to sometimes I think it's it's pretty easy to very subtly criticize or criticize your ex or something that's that's happened. And that of when you do that, that kind of shuts down the conversation. So what are some of your tips for opening the door to a conversation or making your child feel safe about broaching topics with you? I would suggest, well, it's it's very dependent on your relationship with your child. Um, But I would suggest conversations about the day uh, and how they felt, what happened. And if a child is sort of saying, well, I had um, a fallout with somebody um, at recess today, uh, then a mom or a dad could ask a few more leading or probing questions to find out what it was, what upset them. And normally those things are clues to deeper feelings and emotions. Um, So what I'm saying is start with the general and then move in towards more intimate um, feelings um, from the child. Um, A big thing for me is emotional intelligence. Um, Do you mind if I sort of include that in this part of the conversation? Absolutely. So uh, as a teacher, education is important for me. And I found that in divorce recovery, uh, emotional intelligence is hugely important. And by that, I mean a child being able to read their feelings, to be able to talk about their feelings and use a good vocabulary in being able to express themselves. Um, So a mom or a dad could really help their child by coaching them in using good vocabulary. So a child could say, I was angry today uh, with my friend. Um, but we could teach them, well, okay, you're angry. Let's find another word that's a little bit more accurate. Were you just annoyed or were you furious? And so already we can gauge, okay, it wasn't such a big thing. She was just a bit annoyed. But if she was furious, okay, well, that was quite a strong feeling. So let's see what's underneath that feeling. Why were you furious? And you may have found that this morning at breakfast time, you, the mom may have lost her temper And this child went to school just feeling really horrible. And so it's that outburst towards the friend led back to the breakfast time, which was because of something else. Do you you follow me? Um, So just being able to follow the leads and talk and getting your child to open up. But emotional intelligence helps the child to do that because they're children and they just have a limited ability and limited vocabulary. Right. And um, that's where... 
working with your book would help them and we are going to come on to that in just a moment but first we're going to take a short break you're listening to conversations about divorce and today we're talking about divorce recovery for children my guest today is natalie knox natalie is a primary school teacher and has been a lay counselor for children in crisis including general on-call trauma counseling and specialized divorce recovery counseling Natalie is also the author of The Mending Chronicles of Liam and Emily. It's a divorce recovery journey that's aimed at kids 6 to 12. And Emily, your book has biblical references in each chapter. And I was wondering if you could share with our listeners how your faith has helped you in your work with children. So I found that when we are in times of crisis... Um, people tend to turn to spirituality because they're looking for something beyond themselves uh, to help them in the situation. They look within themselves to um, assist them and help them. And I found that, well, in my upbringing, I was brought up as a Christian. And so as an adult, I found that having my faith has been able to help me to offer hope and um, support to people who are in times of crisis. Uh, the divorce recovery unit that I had set up was under the umbrella of a church. So being able to offer spirituality alongside the divorce recovery was acceptable. And people who uh, were attending that knew that that was that. I found that in the Bible, there are loads of scriptures and references to God helping us, to um, how to find peace, to uh, keys, to overcoming anger, um, helping us uh, with sadness and all the main emotions that we experience when we're going through trauma. I've just found that there are helpful and supportive and encouraging things in the Bible. And in your your book, your, what I found was that, um, that for somebody, if they felt that they didn't have the level or couldn't articulate the emotional intelligence that you were talking about before the break, then working through the book with your child would be a way for you to develop that and enhance your own knowledge about emotional experience. Yes, definitely. So each chapter focuses on an emotion. And at the beginning of each chapter, I have a page of vocabulary, which is beautifully presented, very doodly. And uh, a mother or a father or, or an aunt or a grandparent, whatever adult is going through the book with a child, would be able to use those words to help the children understand what they mean and then use some of them in conversation. And do you recommend working through the book in chronological order or do you think that it's, it's good for pa parents could jump from this chapter to this chapter depending on what the child is experiencing at the time? I would say a child would benefit from every chapter, uh, but Liam and Emily's story starts at the beginning of chapter one and works through to chapter seven. So at chapter one, we have mom and dad telling Liam and Emily that they're divorcing and we move along and there's a new man that comes along. They've had to move house. And then in the last chapter, dad remarries and there's a step sibling. So it's taken um, sort of a, a progressive uh, journey and the children sort of follow Liam and Emily's story. Um, if a parent wanted to jump around, I guess they could, uh, but the child wouldn't benefit from the story of Liam and Emily. And I found that my stories were 
wonderful for helping children to relate to the emotion and feeling really comfortable with actually saying, gosh, I felt like that too. Um, so I would say that chronologically it's, it's better, but um, if a parent wanted to say, well, let's just, my child's really angry, let's focus on anger, the activities at the back would be very right. helpful. Right. Um, so you had mentioned like the book, working through it with a trusted adult. What, what do you suggest if um, in a situation where, let's say, my soon-to-be ex was telling our child something very different than what I was telling them? That's very difficult. And, it, and it's very um, common. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, it's, it's hard. Um, I would, I don't, I don't know. I would say if you're working through this book with your child, then it, you need to really stick with your story. If your husband's working through the book with his, yeah. Or maybe not even working through the book at all, but like say your child comes home and says, well, dad says that what you're telling me is a load of nonsense. And I shouldn't listen to you. <laughs> that might be an exaggeration, but you know, and it, but I could see that happening. Definitely, yes. So, you know, in in some of the activities in my book, it says like uh, write down what happened when you, for example, got really angry, and or write down when you felt really sad, and they're going to write down the events that have happened, and. As we know, everybody standing around that event will see it differently. So I think the focus really is for my, for the, for my book and for a child working through the book would be what is your story? What is your understanding? This is your journey. Um, what was your experience and how did you feel? So the book is trying to get the kids to process their own emotions through their own story, through their own eyes. So I would say that mom and dad need to really just give the child that space, that safe space, that's the book, right. uh, to be able to write down their perspective of things, uh, which is quite hard because there's so much emotion attached to it. And, oh, no, that's not what happened. Or I didn't mean it when I said it like that. So it's hard. So then actually you could say to your child, wow, it sounds like you're really confused about this. And that's not... I can see where that wouldn't be a great feeling for you. Let's let, do you want to talk more about that? Yes. And so that's constructive. It's opening up a space for the child to say, more importantly, I think, well, I felt like right. this. And I think you have a, a great uh, achievement if a child is able to express to you, I felt like this because you did that. Right. And then you can, you've, you've kept the door open for that dialogue and you haven't, jumped in and shut them down and say well you know your mom doesn't know what she's talking about when she disagrees with me or she you know what she's been disagreeing with me for 16 years I'm not surprised so it, yes. it, it would be it's so much more constructive to say wow that must be confu I can see where that's confusing for you to have mom and dad tell you two completely different things mm -hmm. so very much so but I think the focus of my book is helping the children. And so when in the, the parent guide, there's an e-book for parents that um, I sort of chat through parents how to work through the book and um, give them examples of 
questions they could ask and just helpful tips. Um, and one of the things I've said is when they work through the book, you need to be in a pretty decent mood and they shouldn't be interrupted. They should find a quiet spot because we want to create a safe space for them to be able to open up, examine how they're feeling and work through the book with their emotions. So trying to keep everybody around them calm um, is helpful. And um, then I was thinking too, it would be helpful for a parent to read it through first so that they can, they know what's coming in the chapter that they're, they're working on so that they, they're yes. a little bit familiar with the material and could be prepared for questions or even prepare questions that they could talk to their child about. Definitely. What I did also say in my parent guide is uh, some of the things that happen in the story could actually trigger an adult. So you need to have read through this first so that you, if you are triggered and you have like anxiety or you just quite stop, stop, start sobbing or something's triggered inside of you, that you can work through this before actually getting to that part in the book with your child. Um, and if, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very emotional, it's very touching um, the questions in the book and the activities, you know, they have the potential to do that to anyone. Yeah, I'm glad you raised uh, that because that was one of my questions is that, you know, you have to be um, not in your emotional turmoil. You have to kind of be able to step out of that so that you can be this, have this calm and um, meaningful dialogue with your child. And your child isn't going to want to see you breaking down into floods of tears or hysterics. That's right. And that's why I also say sometimes it's nice for like granny to work through the book with a child because granny seems to be out of the situation if granny's not too biased. Right. You know, according to the course. Um, or for an older child to work through it by themselves. Right. Um, and younger children can too if they have a good level of reading. Um, if, if what I also said in the parent guide is depending on how you work uh, with your child with homework, uh, it could also be an indication of, of how you're going to work through this book together. I mean, for me, my one son, um, we would just end up arguing when we do homework. It just always ends up like that. <laughs> so in that situation, it's not recommended for me to work through something as, as sensitive as, as his emotions. Um, it needs to be somebody else. Right, and in some ways, like having a, a third party like um, a grandmother or an aunt or another trusted person, because they're not in that direct involvement with the divorce, it, it, it can make it easier, I think, for a child to talk to them about it. Yes, and the focus is the child. The focus is, is giving them that safe space to process their emotions so that as they grow into teenagers and adults that they've dealt with the issues that, um, that, that come up through a separation and a divorce in a family. Right. Um, so I've heard that some parents, some people, when they are going to have the conversation with their kids about mom and dad ending their marriage, they have done that conversation intentionally without mentioning the word divorce because divorce is such a triggering word and it ha carries all this all these it triggers all these assumptions that we've talked about 
Um, do you think that that's a helpful strategy or do you think that parents should just say, call it what it is? I think it depends on the child and your family. Um, you could end up with a situation where the child doesn't want to say divorce because you haven't said it. And so, you know, they're not quite sure what to say or, or, or what things are, and that can be hindering too. Um, so I can see the value in just using the word, but if you have a situation where a child has witnessed a very traumatic divorce and now you say the word divorce and, gosh, am I going to go through that? Uh, I would see the, the value in rather using another word. Right, and that's where... so. I like what you said there, and that's the value in your book of having your vocabulary words there, because again, oftentimes when we're going through a situation for the first time, even we as we as adults don't have the vocabulary to use. That's right. And having having the right words gives us power. It does. Because it makes us more comfortable talking about the situation or... It allows us to be able to express what's going on inside of us. So, um, I mean, I live in Spain and I can see the frustration I have when, especially in a, for example, a dentist or a, a doctor's appointment where I'm feeling a bit anxious and I need to speak in Spanish and I can't yeah. say what I need to say. Right. <laughs> it's not good for me. Um, but whereas if I'm with an English doctor, I can just relax and say what I need to say. So I can see that translate into a child's life where they just don't have the vocabulary or the means to be able to say what they need to say. But if they've been given some tools, they can say, Mom, I was really disappointed. I mean, that's a nice word, disappointed. And I was really frustrated. A child could just say, I was angry. But disappointed and frustrated, that gives us an insight into right. how that child is feeling. Why are they frustrated? Because they actually wanted to do this and you didn't give them a choice. Or well, they're disappointed because they had really had their hopes on that and now things have turned out like this. So I love that analogy you just gave of going to the doctors in Spain and not having the words to be able to express. I think that that, that really gives us a, a great understanding of what our children might be experiencing. Mm. And we have all the words and we talk to them all the time. <laughs> we blab away and... <laughs> And, and, and they can't quite. Right. Otherwise, they just end up shouting or they just end up withdrawing. So, Natalie, um, I know that we could continue, but we are up on time. Well, it's been lovely chatting to you and sharing my book and um, talking about kids of divorce. Yes, so thank you so much for sharing your expertise around understanding children's emotions. I know that this is going to be really helpful. Thank you. Listeners, my guest today is Natalie Knox. Natalie is a primary school teacher and has been a lay counsellor for children in crisis, including general on-call trauma counselling and specialised divorce recovery counselling. Natalie is also the author of The Mending Chronicles of Liam and Emily, which is a divorce recovery journey that's aimed at children ages 6 through 12. And the website for that is MendingChronicles.com. I will put a link to it in the show page. Guiding your child through your divorce is an ongoing endeavor. This is not a one and done conversation. It's about constantly checking in. And based on my personal experience, you may be having these conversations many years after divorce. You know your children the best. Tune into your intuition 
and listen when it's telling you that something is going on. I think the biggest challenge in all of this is having these conversations in a way that fosters your child's relationship with their other parent and doesn't make your child feel that they have to make a choice between the two of you. No one does this perfectly, and especially in the early days when you're dealing with your own trauma. It calls for developing really good listening skills, being open to receiving criticisms and feedback about yourself, and not being afraid to admit when you could have handled a situation better. I want to thank you for listening today. If you hop over to my blog, SinceMyDivorce.com, you'll find a synopsis of this conversation and you can follow me at SinceMyDivorce on Twitter and on Facebook. And I hope you'll join us again next time for more conversations about divorce.